The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody, welcome to Retro Pop. I am one of your hosts, the gentle giant himself. I am Johnny Townsend. I'm joined by the eighth wonder of the world, Matthew Johnson. Matt, how's it going? Eighth, man, that's a little high, man. You're giving me too much credit. I think you're like you're stroking my ego. I have a massive ego, you know that. Yeah. You're, you're boosting. Up. I'm more like I probably put myself at like the 21st wonder of the world. I I tear myself a little bit lower. Well, I mean, that's just you being humble. We all know it's eight. It's it's number eight. Wow. Yeah. Or or nine. I'll, the highest I'll go is nine. I can't go. I can't. I can't bump China out. I can't bump China out. Not the. Well, country. I can't knock you out of the top ten. So I'm putting you in top ten. Is that okay? That's fine. All right, we'll, okay. we'll work with that. I am good, right. my friend. How are you? I am. I am doing great. Sitting here with the tenth wonder of the world, Matt. Uh, <laughs> today on Retro Pop, your show, your biweekly show, in which we bring up a subject in, in pop culture. Uh, this month, the topic is sports figures, and I have brought to the table the legit legend himself, oh, yeah. Andre the Giant. So that's who we're going to talk about today. But before we jump into the nitty gritty, Matt, let's get into our personal history with the eighth wonder of the world. Maybe Lady Luck riding on his shoulders here tonight. One headbutt, a second headbutt. Andre spins a holster around. Suplex right on top of him. He's on him. One. We get a two. That's it. We got him. Right he got him. He got him. No, he didn't. The referee counted three. We've got a new world champion. No, we don't either. I told it, McMahon. I told you. I told the world that the Giant would win it. No, sir. All right, I think I'm going to surprise no one. Uh, I was born in 83. Uh, when I got into wrestling, yeah. Year. When I was when I got into wrestling as a young kid, uh, Hulk Hogan was the man, right? That's when Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania was a uh, running wild, as the kids say. Yep. And uh, when I was a kid, I loved Hulk Hogan. Uh, he got me into wrestling, and that led to me loving the other characters. Uh, I have no shame in that. That's just how it happened. That's just when I grew up. So that's what uh, worked out. Obviously, uh, he may have some issues now. And that, that's right here or there, but uh, and that led to me realizing who Andre the Giant was. And I remember first seeing how just how huge this man was and being blown away by just the sheer size of this guy. And he he was to me, you know, in pro wrestling, uh, there are in today's pro wrestling, there are a lot of people who are just very, very good wrestlers and you see them all the time. And I am a big fan of most of, of a lot of those, but you also have these wrestlers who are attractions, right? And that means that they don't need to be there all the time. And when they do show up, it's a big deal. And I, that's what Andre was back then. And we'll get into that deeper, but yeah, uh, I mean, he, but he was so, so huge, not just in size, but in popularity that he crossed over to pop culture and, uh, you know, and he's in movies, of course, so we'll get into those. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, man, Andre, I became a big fan of Andre uh, when I was a kid, just because he just kind of blew my little kid mind <laughs> just how giant of a man this guy was. And I loved him in, in Princess Bride, of course. So oh, naturally. Actually, I I couldn't tell you the exact first time I remember hearing about Andre. 
I know as a fan, you know, as a young child, like easily just just sucked into the world of wrestling that um, and my parents like they liked it. My mom, obviously, it wasn't her most favorite thing, but she used to tell me her, her dad used to bring her. I think she actually seen Andre wrestle once. I think he came to Niagara Falls one time. That's cool. I think I think that she said that she's not even a re- like remotely a wrestling fan, but. My grandfather would just be like, all right, kids, we're going to the wrestling show today. Get in the car. I don't yeah. know why I just made him sound like Bill Cosby. Um, but we, they go to the Niagara Falls Convention Center. I think she said she's seen Andre the Giant compete one time, um, which was really neat. And my dad, you know, always knew of him. It wasn't the biggest wrestling fan, but was enough to the point where that's how it how I became a wrestling fan back then. Yeah. But I think, honestly, Princess Bride might have been my first time visually seeing uh, Andre the Giant. And then, you know, when as I grew older, you see start looking back at old clips. You start seeing him in magazines, all these pictures. You get the internet, and it's like, whoa. Like, man, you like I feel like you had to live in that era to really truly appreciate the ginormous entity that was um, you know, Andre the Giant at the time. You can yeah. see stuff now and you're like, oh wow, okay, people really held him in high regard, but Man, when you're li- it's like Furbies, all right? If you told the kid that Furbies were the like today were the biggest thing at, ever on the planet at one point in time in the mid nineties, kids like, oh, okay, that's cool. But you had to live it to really appreciate it. Andre the Giant is the same way. You could still get a just a glimmer of it, just seeing his impressive size. Um, and for a good while, how athletic he was. I think that's the most important thing, too. You know, he obviously when he got bigger, he wasn't doing such crazy stuff, but in his early days, like back in like he, the dude could move. He was a huge dude. Yes. He could move, uh, which is which is really cool to look back on. You know, you and I have talked about the documentary at times, but uh, but yeah, what a just an amazing figure. Um, and then you know, I got to watch his son in WCW. Uh, that was he <laughs> hate fame sometimes. Uh, you know, it, you know, it was just uh, no, it was just one of those things, but um. Yeah, Andre was was so cool because he, in my mind, you know, Hulk Hogan was like the first major big mainstream. Okay, I can't, I shouldn't say that, but he brought a lot of extra attention to the world of pro wrestling. Ric Flair did that in years prior, but I feel like Andre was kind of that guy. Like he was, he was a attraction. You you paid to see him because of how unique he looked. Like uh, I'm trying to think it like. I, I've been to something before, like um, like a hockey game, like a big-time player. Oh, no, here, here's what happened. Uh, baseball. I'm not the biggest baseball fan, okay? Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, a, a former pitcher for the Yankees was coming to town in Rochester. And I was like, okay, I, I have to go see this guy because, I, you know, I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but it's like, okay, this is a must-see kind of player. Um, and, and, you know, you go, you go to see that thing, but Andre was, was kind of like that, whether you like wrestling or not, you just wanted to go there and see him in person because television never did him justice. So no, no, it it certainly didn't. Uh, but let's, let's get into the history of the man, Andre, the giant. Can I, can I get you a mimosa? (laughs) No, thank you. What, uh, who are you going to be wrestling tonight, by the way? Anybody that we would have heard of? It'll be uh, me and Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson against the three Samoans. This, how, how many people uh, does the garden hold? 20,000 in, in the uh, 18, 20,000? Upstairs, they get uh, almost 23,000 people, and downstairs, get 7,000 people. Oh, my. Uh, now, what, what is the reaction of uh, the average person when they see you, like when you go into a bar or something? Everybody get out. They, they all clear out. Uh, do, you, do you find that people... All right, let me start this out by saying that uh, the documentary that we were going to reference a lot it's just called Andre the Giant. It's on HBO Max. It's, it's a little under an hour and a half. Holly, Holly, Holly recommended. It. It's really well done. One of the best documentaries I've ever watched, and I've seen a lot of them. Like, I'd put it up there with The Last Dance, the, yeah. the Jordan six-part documentary. Like, it would probably be up in, like, my top five as far as how well it was done, how well they, you know, just the interview, everything. It was very, yeah. very, very well done. Yeah, uh, my only gripe is I actually wanted it to be longer. <laughs> That's how good right. it is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, but it it does a really good job of diving into his life, uh, not just his wrestling stuff, and uh, it really makes you think. Honestly, 
Uh, and we'll get into that. Uh, but his life was not the easiest, and we'll we'll dive into that. It's that maybe the hardest part of this show yeah. <laughs> is to talk about how hard his life was at times. So, uh, but yeah, Andre the Giant. Uh, Andre was born Andre Rene uh, Ruzumov in France in May nineteenth, nineteen forty six. Uh, you know he was billed. This is the other thing too. Let's also get this out of the way. Pro wrestling, uh, which Matt and I both have uh i would say we love though sometimes we're uh, uh we're less passionate about but overall we're very knowledgeable of yes we are uh they have always 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 since day one uh for storytelling and such uh you may not always get the complete truth about somebody right like it's uh, uh they they uh, what's the word i'm looking for they uh they tend to uh go dramatic with with the numbers and details and such yeah wrestling has a little bit of a history of that <laughs> most I, I guarantee you like uh, until recently probably because recently now they're way more about just just giving just whatever the person is and and such but until recently i guarantee you most people that's not their real name whatever you heard and uh, that's not really where they're from wherever you are <laughs> you mean parts unknown is in a real town yeah. Son you, mean of the, a- <laughs> you mean cactus jack is not from truth and consequences <laughs> Oh man, no, he's from New York. So I hate, I hate everything. <laughs> uh, so mad, I'm gonna throw this water bottle. But that's kind of also what I love about pro wrestling is that they do that. It's yeah. kind of fun. But I'm saying that to tell you this: uh, it's Andre the Giant is a legit legend, and that uh, they still tell stories about him. So um, it's not always easy to separate <laughs> what's completely true from the things that have been legend because that's where he's at now. And uh, so like if one of the things would be, and I'm going to get into this later, so I'm not going to dive deep into this right now, like his height, like that'd be one of the things. Obviously he's a huge, huge man. There's no denying that, but, uh, but that's uh, like, anytime you see a huge guy in wrestling, a, you don't know if that's the real height when they say his height, and B, you don't know if that's his real weight when they say his weight. Right. So oh, yeah, it's all I, I when I was in wrestling, I was actually told to exaggerate certain features. Like, yeah, they're like, uh, they're like, which oh, is what I do my date, which is what I do on every dating profile. Oh, I, I, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like being on Tinder or something. Yeah, uh, it, it's it, but it's true. They told you, hey, you know, you should make your weight seem bigger. You should you should tell them that you're taller. And I'm like, okay, whatever you say, boss. But yeah, yeah they're literally told that because the the lot more larger, the bigger you are, the more larger in life. And I guess there's the, the more I guess you fib, the more curiosity there is about you. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's like a that's that's one of those things like, oh, that that guy's not really six foot five. I'm going to get into details about this guy or so just just something like that. Is he you know, is Andre the Giant really seven foot two? And is this real? Is his last name really the giant? You know, I got to I got to figure this out. That, that's sort of like mystery. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, like they'll say that somebody is seven foot uh, whatever. But then they put him up next to somebody else who's also supposed to be tall, but not built as taller and are near the same height, that type of thing. Yeah. So that does happen all the time. But that's kind of part of the fun of pro wrestling. But I'm just saying that, so just so you know, uh, some stuff is iffy with this. But we do know for a fact he's born May 19th, 1946. Andre Rene Arusimov uh, in France. He's in a small town in France. Uh, and that's kind of where it goes he, he had uh, the parents and four siblings and they were all average size like he's the only one who had his issue that we will dive into here in a second for but, sure uh but in andre when he was younger when he was really young they didn't notice anything like he just seemed normal like all the other kids but then when he, and especially when he hit puberty and the growth uh, a teenager dumb as they say uh, he really started to grow and they were like something's something's off here because by the time he was 17 they said he was already like six seven somewhere around there he was already six 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 seven i think his growth stint or it really happened when he turned 14 yeah it said he uh he left school he was allowed to leave school you were allowed to stop going to school at the age of 14 and he stopped so he could start paying bills and stuff helping out the family yeah and that's when it that's when it started like yeah what timing <laughs> yes. what timing so uh, he so he would help out with his uh, family's farm, that type of thing during this time. Uh, uh, you can find and it this is on that documentary just pictures of him trying to get into a car. Oh, it's, it's incredible! 
it's incredible to watch him just fold himself into into a car. But like I like watching my short wife try to hop into like a truck when I had a truck. Like yeah. that's funny. Yes. But watching Andre, it's like, oh, it's like a it's like it's one of those things you have to see to believe. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh but yeah, so uh he was diagnosed with giantism, which is what we call it. It actually has another name that I cannot pronounce, but uh giantism is what we know it as. And basically that just means that if you're diagnosed with this, it's rare. Uh, but it also means your body will not stop growing. Right. It's very rare. Uh, other wrestlers have had this, though. Uh, you know, the big show slash uh, Paul White also had this. I think he had surgery to fix slash, his, didn't he? Slash Andre the Giant's son. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, you can get surgery on it. I think Andre refused. I he did. I think. It's yes. something with a pituitary gland. Right. That you can slow that down. It's some kind of process. and You can kind of normalize growth and level it out and Andre just never really did it. And it's uh it's it's really dangerous to kind of let something like that go because your organs can't keep up with the rest of your body. Right. They, you yeah, know you, you, you literally outgrow your organs is what yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, they can't they can't keep up blood your heart can't pump blood to all of your body. Like it, it it's a legitimate thing. The organs don't grow with the as much as the body. I think that's the way it's been described. But yeah. Um as cool as it sounds to be as as tall as Andre the Giant was, there is actually it's it's not it's not very yeah. not normal. As we'll find out later, it's actually hell uh, at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you're younger, it's it's probably pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, I always liked the fact that I was taller than a lot of people when I was younger. Right. Yeah. Like, it's always kind of neat. Like, hey, I'm taller. I can reach these things. Same here. Yeah. Don't go um, to Tops, though. Don't go to Tops, your local grocery store. Little old ladies. Like, hey, oh, yes. Get, I've got plenty. Can cocoa powder down for me? I've, I've, <laughs> yes, ma'am. I've gotten plenty of a. Uh, jars down for older ladies i surely have <laughs> uh but uh, that's uh so yeah john tism and when he was a teenager he also was into sports like he loved sports he loved playing sports so he's already kind of athletic to start with yeah uh and then he was introduced to wrestling uh, they started teaching him uh, actually i think i read somewhere that some wrestlers in his school or somewhere were like hey you should just try this and they taught him a few little things and he really liked it uh, and then he decided he really wanted to make a name for himself. I mean, he's already kind of uh, famous in his little small area. I mean, he's well known there. Uh, he literally stood out, you know. Uh, so he's like, I'm going to become a pro wrestler. And again, remember, during these days, it's probably hard to fathom now, especially to younger people. But this is during the era in which wrestling was real. It was real. Like this was yeah. not this was not fake. This was not predetermined. Especially, right. Especially in France, too. I mean, it, it in America, it kind it, it was like, like 50s, 60s. It had hit that stage, that showmanship stage in France, though. There was still a real technical art to it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think when we did our pro wrestling episode months ago, pro wrestling actually got its start in France. So he's getting trained by some of these legends whose knowledge has been passed down from generate from the very early beginnings of um of you know of the sport of pro wrestling but but uh yeah he, he's a lot of firsthand stuff and and yeah it was considered real at that point the the, yeah. the, the under the giant documentary we were watching they were, they were showing him how to do legit holds i mean here's seven foot something under the giant skinny as a as a twig yes putting uh like putting a body scissors on, on a guy just working it and it was like that was real crazy to see. Even yeah, that skinny. You can find uh, videos of Andre younger, and even when he's not as skinny, but when he's younger and he's very mobile. Yeah, and that dude could go. Honestly, he was. Good. I think <laughs> he was, seen he a could, video of him drop throwing a drop kick. Yeah, yeah, he could definitely go. Uh, but during his early years, when he was first starting out, he would go all over France. That's where obviously where he would start. I mean, that's where he's from, uh, and and do things like that. He would eventually end up and. Uh, I forgot the number of countries he wrestled in, but it was a lot, including Japan and, of course, North America and Canada and all that. But, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, another side note, uh, I told Matt before we started this, I tried not to dwell into my very pro wrestling nerd tendencies with this. So I'm going very – I've tried to really lighten out these <laughs> pro wrestling details. Uh, but if you're into that, there are other podcasts that definitely dove into this or other uh, – uh, sources where you can, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of his actual wrestling career, uh, you can definitely find that stuff. 
Uh, but uh, this is when French Canadian wrestler Edward Carpentier, uh, he saw uh, Andre and he saw dollar signs, right? Like it's that's kind of one of those things, right? You walk into a room and you see, you kind of know that, right? Uh, I think uh, throughout any type of sport, like I remember uh, when I played. This is just a this is just a uh, community. Uh, basketball team, right? Uh, a, a rec league team. When I was a teenager, I remember when I saw this one kid play. Like I just saw him shoot one shot, and I was like, "That guy's good." Yeah, like, you just saw him, and he stood out. And uh, and Andre is just one of those where you just see him, and like it's just money signs. I just picture like a uh, you know cartoon dollar signs. It's just appearing in this guy's head, uh, and he's like, "If I get this guy to North America." I can make some money. This guy's going to make money. We're going to really do some stuff over there. So to Canada, they go uh, under the name Jean Fier. Andre wrestled for Grand Prix promotions. That's where he would start out in Canada and he would go all over. Uh, he started out at the bottom of the card. And what that just means is where you're placed uh, on a night of, uh, on a show night, like, do you start at the beginning of the show or do you headline the show? That's basically right. what that's saying. Yeah, I mean, that's a hot start. Having a kid, a guy that big who's never yeah. had not been many tall wrestlers like him at that point, uh, open up the show. From a strategy perspective, that's a very exciting way to get a get a wrestling show started. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he quickly started to get so known uh, that he would be put uh, closer to the top two main event. Uh, and this is also where he would get his eighth wonder of the world moniker, where he did start calling him that. And what what a <laughs> what a flipping great thing to be called. That right? is a huge endorsement. Huge yeah. endorsement. Uh, also, this was during the time of territories. Now, if you don't remember our pro wrestling podcast, basically to really bore uh, to really uh, simplify territories before WWE. And before WCW or any of those big or AEW or any of those big ones that you've heard of, there were territories and basically uh, different areas of the United States and North America, because Canada did it too, and uh, Mexico also did it, I believe. Uh, there were just different areas that did did pro wrestling. Like you had the Memphis area, you had the Carolinas, uh, you had the New York area, you had Florida. All these places had their own promotions. Yeah. There was a lot of state like state regions state by state yeah. regions but you know some of the other ones they were they were just you know like you said the carolinas uh mid-south you know all there was a lot of grouping of states and it was yeah. just it, it was wrestling was so prosperous you can it was like back in the day with factory work you can leave one factory and go to another one and find find a job yeah back in the day if you were a pro wrestler you could leave one territory and go to the next and you'd have a job yeah, that you could what, pay your bills and that's what a lot would do because this is also when uh, you know, pro wrestling and TV, like a lot of these promotions had their own TV. Yeah. Uh, so you get on there too. But Andre uh, was starting to become a a big draw wherever he went. Uh, and he would go from territory to territory. And I got to say, if I was alive during a time and I said, hey, he's coming to the Carolinas, I'd be like, I got to go see this guy. Right. Yeah. I'd want to go. So uh, what? A, and he was making bank. He was doing pretty good for himself here. 1972. Vince McMahon Sr., of course, this is the Vince McMahon that we know now's father, would sign Andre to the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the WWF at that time. That's what it was called before it became WWE today. And this would change Andre's life. Uh, this is also when his ring name became Andre the Giant. Uh, which kind of just seems uh, easy, right? Like he's big much here. easier now. Yeah. You have a selling point instead of Andre Fieri or whatever it was. Um, you know, now you have the giant. Now it's like, okay, this this dude like there's something special about this guy. Yeah, and that, like, it's such a cool thing because that's like a throwback to like the legitimate carnival days, right? I think that's why I like that name so much. Is a throwback to the carnival. Yeah, because you'd have like a one name. And then you'd have like something that you do or, or like medieval times. Oh, uh, Jacques, the fire breather or so, something yeah. silly like that. Just something silly like that. But Andre, the giant, not a giant, the, the giant. And the that giant. placed special yeah. emphasis. It was a whole psycholo- psychology thing that placed special emphasis on what Andre meant to the world of wrestling. Yes. 
Yeah, so basically what he would do is he would go from territory to territory, and he would face that territory's biggest star. Uh, you know, each territory kind of had their main event guy, like their biggest guy that they always pulled for. Like a, the easiest one to talk about is Memphis area. They had, you know, Jerry Lawler for a long time was that. So when Andre would show up to Memphis, he would be taking on Jerry Lawler. And that would just – just saying that would sell out that place. Oh, That's all you got to say. It's just those two are going to wrestle. I, okay, I have to be there. So, uh, but he was selling out venues wherever he went, and he became a huge star. He was more than likely, I would say, across the nation. Uh, he was the biggest wrestling star at this time. Yeah, he had it like uh, this is like oh, you said, like seventies. Like Hulk Hogan wasn't there yet. Um, Ric Flair was emerging at this time, but wasn't quite there yet to get Harley Race. Dusty Rhodes, who are big, but they don't stand out like Andre. There's right. like, there's nothing even remotely close uh, to what Andre is bringing to the, the wrestling table right now. Right. Uh, and he got pretty huge, especially after the WWF stuff, because this is when he's getting even more recognition, right? Like he's getting more TV time and stuff like this. And he's making better money, honestly, too. Uh, but his fame would also open doors to more than wrestling at this time. Uh, he would make his acting debut as Sasquatch, Bigfoot himself, on the six on an episode of The Six Million Dollar Man yep. in 1975. I remember when I saw this, and I didn't know that was Andre at first when I first watched this. <laughs> and I recommend you find it's an easy clip to find on YouTube. Recommend you find it. It's a lot of fun just to watch. <laughs> But it's just Andre in a big Bigfoot suit. Right. And you know what? Like, he's one of the few people who could pull that off, right? Like, yeah. wrestlers and pe- just people do stuff all the time that's like, really? You're going to go do Bigfoot? But, like, Andre can go do Bigfoot for a show, be goofy, be funny, and then just go be this badass wrestling dude. Yeah. One of the few guys who could pull it off. And I think that's the, that's a, that's a big charm of, of Andre. Yeah. And, and charm's a good thing to say, too, because there's another thing you should know about Andre. A very... A very lovely told story is of he either loved you or he hated you. (laughs) There was no in between. Yeah. But if he loved you, he was like one of the coolest guys ever. And he was so gentle and sweet and that type of thing. It's it's because of his upbringing. You know, think about when he when he grew up. Right. This is post-World War Two France, who had been taken over by Germany for some time. And just France in general is not like it wasn't like Americanized. Right. American like growing up in American culture, it's cartoons with elements of violence and stuff it's this andre grew up in the simple life it was tough it was tough but it was the simple life where family and work was at was it was everything and he always yeah. stayed to that despite what the wrestling industry is and was at that time he never changed who he was he never changed who he was he was a gentleman and he he took care of everybody he loved yeah he wasn't even really technically a heel aka a bad guy until like until he was wrestling Hogan. They uh, kept him baby. They kept yeah. him a baby face the entire for the majority of his career. And this was his big that wasn't his big send off, but this was like the the, the this is yeah, there's I mean there's kind of the end for him. When yeah, he did we're get, yeah, we're gonna get yeah. there. Yep. Uh and uh he uh he rarely ever also uh like he didn't he was also one of those guys. There are some guys and gals who are so uh much of a name that they don't even need to win a championship. And that's pretty huge to say that. Like, he didn't need to win for people to know who he was. I would dare say that he was the first one. Yeah. I I would dare say he was the first one. That's a very good point to bring up because he did not win a lot. No. He he really did not win championships a lot. He comes in. And that's despite the fact that he rarely ever lost. Right. That's the most amazing thing. That is the most amazing thing. And yeah, for sure. Uh, but he would also go on to appear in shows and movies as uh, BJ and the Bear, The Fall Guy, The Greatest American Hero, Conan the Destroyer. But of course, I think we're all we all know he's best known as uh, Fezzik and uh, Rob Reiner's The Princess Bride, a classic film. Uh, basically, they said uh, that when they were making this movie, that that part could only be played by Andre. That's yeah. who they had in mind the whole time. And uh, there's all kinds of really great stories on this documentary about his time doing this movie uh but they will also break your heart <laughs> i tell you that too uh because this is also during the time where his body is starting to break down yeah uh he's you know he's already really limited in the ring by this time uh the one of the stories i'll say this is there's a, a there's a scene in the princess bride where he catches 
uh, I'm blanking on her name. Do you remember her name? The princess? Uh, uh, oh, Christ. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, man. It's been forever since I've seen it. But he catches her, and they had to lower her down by ropes because he couldn't do it uh, otherwise. Uh, they said actually the hardest part for him was all the physical acting, and they didn't think that would be the case. But it's just because he was already in a lot of pain by this time. Yeah. And his knees and his back especially. Those are his major problem areas. Uh, so, of course, we can't talk about Andre without talking about 1987 WrestleMania three. Andre versus Hogan. I remember this, despite the fact that I was like five years old. I just remember this vividly in my mind of Andre grabbing Hogan by the shirt and just ripping it off of him. And I remember being so sad because I thought they were just they were supposed to be such good friends. <laughs> and the fact that he would show up with that that awful bastard Bobby the Brain Heenan, yeah. you know, uh, I was like, oh my gosh! Uh, and uh, the fact that he would show up at him was like, this is just ridiculous. I can't believe this. And I got, I was so hurt as a little kid because <laughs> I wanted to love Andre. It crushed you absolutely because yeah. yeah, you you had been building this Hulk Hogan like the story build up to that was amazing. He'd always been Hulk Hogan's friend. When Hogan first won the belt, who was dousing with champagne? Andre the Giant. Yeah. You know, who was, he was in his corner for a lot of occurrences. Hogan's corner in a lot of occurrences. It was Andre. Yeah. Um, oh, but, like, my God, one of the best storyline buildups ever. Yes. Ever. They didn't even, like, it wasn't even, like, a prop, like, build. They're just, like, you know, uh, Hogan, you were supposed to be my friend. You never gave me a title shot. Now I want a title match. And, and, and that's how it was. And it just it just worked itself out like that. It was amazing. And just and just think how well the angle did. Not only did you uh, do you levitate, just how big Hogan is, and 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 on just as all Andre did, he also levitated the belt by that by him wanting wanting the belt. And that made the belt mean something because yes. Andre wanted it. Because we all know he didn't need it, uh, but he wanted it. And uh, but the, there's a really they really do a good job on this documentary about this part too the buildup of this match, uh, like um, apparently to the day of, uh, they weren't completely sure what uh, Hogan, especially himself, wasn't completely sure if Andre was going to go through with it. It was a huge rib. Actually, yeah. in the middle of the match, he realized it. They yeah. thought that, they thought that, you know, that Vince wanted obviously to keep the belt on Hogan, but Andre was just fabing him the whole time. K fabing him, just ignoring them. Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. And, and yeah, I'll I'll let you have the honor of saying you know kind of how the how the match unfolded, how how it went. Well, it's probably one of the most famous matches of I would say all time, right? It's definitely up there, and it's not because it's like a technical masterpiece or anything like that. No, Just, no. I, it's I, way it's way more for the spectacle of it and for the storytelling of it. It's way more for that. Yeah, because also you got to realize too. He poor Andre could barely move very well. Uh, the fact that he was even taking bumps, honestly, was a big deal. He had already told before they decided to do this match, like he was already pretty much planning on his retirement before this. Before that, yeah, he didn't even actually want to go through with it, and Vince actually coaxed it out of him because they needed a yeah. main event for three for WrestleMania three. And yeah. uh, and he was gonna they were gonna pay he was gonna pay for the surgery. I think they 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 paid for a procedure to help ease the pain a little bit. Yes. Before and that was what what I gathered from it. But um this was like the highlight. This is what this is one of the last big moments. I mean he had a lot of big moments after that words, but like I mean for Andre to finally I mean it's only WrestleMania three at this point too, but uh to main event a WrestleMania the way he did, you know, like that, it was it was a uh it was a really cool like lasting like forever lasting memory like we don't remember some of the other stuff that happened after it right there's 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 stuff in between his last i think matches wrestlemania six but um but we don't remember a lot of that stuff this is this is the one we all everybody looks at always that when thinking about andre yeah. at the end yeah uh so basically there's a very famous body slam hogan body slams andre the giant which was a huge deal though honestly uh, here's a little uh, this may hurt some of you. Uh, he'd been body slammed before by other people, but uh, but WWF slash E uh, has a history of saying if it didn't happen here on our television, that didn't never happen. Correct. <laughs> so, so uh, and if it wasn't televised, it never happened, and that's what they went with here. Uh, that's why uh, Andre never lost when he went into this. This was his first loss. That's why this is the first time he was ever body slammed. 
first loss technically. I have some I have some other things <laughs> that go with the with the 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 secondary layer of this episode. Yeah. I do have some secondary yes. things, but but as far as television, as far as pay per view, uh, this is the first big time that Andre had been beaten, and it was it was this immortalized Hulk Hogan. Yes, it was the de facto I think moment of his first title run, and he was already a big name, but this put him over, uh, as they say in wrestling. This just sealed the deal of him being the the thing and hulkamania ran wild brother uh, and uh, they sold out pontiac silver dome in detroit uh, a record and now this is their number so what it actually is who knows but ninety thousand. there were a lot of people there i mean you can just tell by looking at it uh they did a good job of packing that place out i will say that yeah yeah that was one of the last big hoorahs of that place too like I remember seeing that place like year like before they closed it down and demolished it. I was like, man, this is like eerie. Like I love the photographs from that day. They, they, there's a really nice photograph of somebody at the very top of the the Silver Dome. It actually got published uh, in Wrestling WWE magazines. I think one of their photographers took it, but they took it. And it's all the way top, and you can. It's really cool because you can see the layers of people, the rows yeah. of people, all the way down to the ring. And it's like, man, that vantage point was crazy. You think some of the ones like nowadays are like bad, like who would want to sit at the top row of, uh, you know, some of these stadiums like Pontiac was crazy. I, I would love to know what a ticket price for that cost back then yeah. to sit all the way up top. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this was basically the last big moment of Andre's career wrestling wise. Uh, like Matt said, he would stick around for a little bit more, but that's not even barely recognized. He was so yeah. broken down. Physically yeah. at this point, he that, did win, yeah, it was, it, it was, he really became that guy who showed up and he was, that was the thing yeah. after yeah. that. He, I mean, he was having a lot of surgeries too on like his knees and such. And, uh, you know, he, he hated being a heel too, by the way, he hated it. He didn't, oh yeah. He did not he did, like it. Yeah. He did not like it at all. Cause he was already, uh, understandably. So I don't think we think about this. Uh, they, they, there's stories of him just trying to walk through an airport. And Hulk Hogan was like, I would hear people talk about him in a very negative way who had no idea who he even was. Like, you don't even know this guy, and you're saying this awful stuff about him. But yeah. he was so big that, like, when he was on a flight, he couldn't even fit into the bathroom if you want to go to the bathroom. So they had to help. They had to, like, put a curtain up so he could relieve himself in a bucket, they said. Uh, I mean, we don't even think about these things because we, no. just, you know, we don't think about any of this. He could, some cars, he couldn't even get in. Like, they were just out of the question. He couldn't even ride in. Uh, it's just um, the hardships he endured. I don't think we really knew about very much, but it definitely affected him. Uh, and I hadn't even talked about his drinking. So. No, I, <laughs> which I have is a couple legend. stats. Yeah, I have a couple legendary. stats for everybody. Yeah. yeah, it's it's something. His drinking is legendary. But uh, this is also when he started spending a lot of his time. He bought a farm in North Carolina, and he would kind of stay there because it was in a very small town. And they re- and they asked him because he loved this place. They go, "Why do you love it so much?" He goes, and his one of his answers was, "Goes nobody stares at me." Yeah, he could go into town and he was just somebody who was part of the town. Solitude, right? Yeah, it, it, he bought a farm that reminded him of his childhood when before yeah. all the fame and popularity. You know, that's that's the that's the dream, right? Like Brock Lesnar was the same, did the same way. He made a bunch of money and bought a farm where he could just be left the heck alone, be yeah. self self dependent self-sufficient but that's that's the dream right like he didn't didn't like the popularity uh, like all that stuff he just wanted to be a human yeah that's 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 the sacrifice everybody makes for for being a celebrity and and being popular like everybody wants it everybody wants the money the attention but there's times where you just want to be left alone and be treated like a human and andre definitely felt like that um you know for the latter part of his career there's no doubt about it yeah, for sure. And you also got to remember he's in so much pain too during all this. So, uh, you know, the anybody can tell you if like I, I've had a hurt back this week, it makes you twice as cranky as you would be. Yeah, right. It's just how it is because you're hurting. Uh, so, would but, you say you've had a week back for maybe about a week back? Somewhere out of there, yeah. <laughs> I'm funny. All right, balls add laughter <laughs> and. Uh, so let's get into the really sad part of this, of course. Uh, around December of 92, his father had taken a really bad turn physically. So uh, his family's like, you probably should get to France and 
be with at least see your dad because we don't think he's going to be around much longer. Yeah. So he flies to France, and uh, from what it was saying, basically by the time he gets there, his dad does pass away. Uh, so he decides he's going to stay there for the funeral. Uh, January twenty seventh, nineteen ninety three. He was supposed to. He was staying at a hotel, and he was supposed to uh, uh, meet the family somewhere, and he he never showed up. And the hotel kept trying to wake him or reach him, and he never responded until they finally actually, according to some sources, broke down the door to get to him, and he had passed away in his sleep. Yeah. Uh, in his bed. Uh, so that was Andre the Giant, a legend, had passed away. And to say that he affected people is one thing, but there's <laughs> on the documentary, Dagum Vince McMahon sheds a tear. So <laughs> yeah, and Vince doesn't like to be seen crying. So that was a big deal that they he yeah. let that slide. Yeah, like yeah. So uh, that was the history of Andre the Giant. Let's get into let's. I don't know why I would tell you there. Let's, let's get, get into, into let's uh, get into the match of stats. The match of stats. Uh, here we go. Hated Randy Savage. The Macho Man hated him with a passion. This old Coliseum is gonna witness yeah. So whenever I'd see Randy was wrestling Andre, I used to laugh. Andre doing whatever he wants right now. Sitting on the sitting right on his head. But Randy was always worried on how Andre was gonna beat him. And uh, Randy would wait till the very last minute. You know, he'd be all taped up and he'd have baby oil all over him. And Randy come in, oh, excuse me, Andre, uh, big brother, uh, you know, uh, what do you think uh, we're going to do out there in the ring tonight? And Andre would look up at him, playing cards, go, no baby oil, get out, get out, no baby oil. All right, everybody, welcome to the Mad Stats portion of this show. We have quite a lot to talk about. So Andre the Giant, uh, seven foot four, 520 pounds. And uh, had one child to his name. Uh, let's see. Let's take a look at some of the. Let's start. Let's look at the alcohol first. I think that's what everybody wants to know. Um, all right. Andre once admitted to David Letterman that he consumed 119 12 ounce beers in a single sitting. However, former wrestler Mike Graham stated that Andre actually had 156 beers in one sitting. And there's a story that he uh, he, he passed out with. Uh, he pe- oh, I know he pe- because of this. I think he passed out in the hotel lobby. And I'm sure you're going to get into yes, that, that a little bit more my, detail. That is my stuff, but uh, I will not delve more further into that. But we, uh, but yeah, his drinking stories are legendary. Legendary. It's it's and it's crazy. You got to remember for a guy his size too that it would also take a lot to get him so drunk that he would pass out. Like I like a lot of the legends are he would rarely you would rarely even know that he had been drinking that much, just yeah. because he just he's so such a large man that it just didn't affect him way it would affect you. <laughs> it's insane. All right, here's some other drinking stories. Andre once cleared a plane's entire stock of vodka during a flight to Japan from Chicago. Um, Rick Flair told this story. He, he, they were downtown in Charlotte. They drank 106 beers, and um, and he they they he's. Rick Flair said he, they cleared out every single bottle of vodka on the plane. I'm not sure how many exactly, but it was it was quite a bit. Uh, Andre once drank 12 bottles of wine on a bus ride in Japan. <laughs> uh, Andre drank 102 beers in 45 minutes before a flight. Uh, some other ones, he, he ran up a $40,000 bar tab. Um, of various liquors. Let's see, where's this at? It doesn't state where it's at, but I think it was. Uh, it, it was on the set of Princess Bride, like it, like in between like shooting and stuff. She's the co-star Carrie Ells. She was like, yeah, it was like uh, him drinking like chugging water. So, um, so yeah, so it, that's that's pretty nuts. Um, he yeah, also, but if, you th- but if you think about it, it makes sense too, right? I mean, he's in pain a lot, and he's and he's hurting. Uh, this probably eases the pain a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's a sad thing. He knew he was going to die someday. Um, he he knew he was, was going to pass away someday. So he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to drink my face out. Yeah, 
Andre also drank six bottles of Mateus wine before all of his matches. Six bottles of wine, and he'd go out there like nothing. He couldn't even tell. So that's that's just a glimmer of some of his alcohol stories. Um, I have here, it's, it's cagematch.net, which uh, accrues information from Pro Wrestling Torch, Pro Wrestling Insider, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and and gets match totals and all that stuff. So uh, Andre's career began in 1966, and very early on, he was actually undefeated. His first three years in wrestling, uh, 1966, he went 10-0, 1967, 21-0, and uh, 1968, he went 6-0. No draws, none of that. All right, 1969, I think this is when he starts coming to the States a little bit. He goes 22 and 11 that year. The following year, 1970, 6 and 11. I'm not going to run through all of these because there is a lot. However, his, his busiest year was 1984. He competed in 204 matches, went 167 and 19 with 18 draws as well. Um, that was one of his, his, his better years, but he started losing a lot towards the end. Um, he started losing a lot like house shows like 1989. He went 36 and 85 and 122 bouts like Hulk Hogan destroyed this man um, as he ruins other people. <laughs> I was about to say, he kind of did. Uh, Hulkamania ran wild over a lot of people. Yeah, I'd say so. That's being generous. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so his best year was, was 1984. Um, his best win percentage was... His best win percentage year was 1976. Out of 103 matches, he won 80. He went 86 and 15. He had 83.5 percent uh, win percentage that year. So that's a big one. That's CageMatch.net. You can really break it down. Somebody also compiled a bunch of other stat, like group some aspects to uh, the per the uh, Internet Wrestling Database. A guy by the name of William Hatfield. Uh, he's the host of the Wrestling Hot Seat Interview Program. He posted this on Quora, Q-U-O-R-A.com. Between the WWF and WWWF, Andre had 846 matches. He won 631 of them with a 74.6% win win percentage. He only lost 151 times. Uh, Competed in 64 draws. So like 7.6% of his matches ended up in draws. His career, however, Industry, everything from the 70s to the early 90s. 2,332 recorded matches with the database with a one with 1,691 total wins. That is 72.5% in the win column. That's Four, a good percentage. Yeah, I'd say that's passing. I used to get really excited for a 72 and a half in math class back in the day. <laughs> Real excited. That was peak. That was peak for me. 437 losses with an 18.7%. Uh, and the loss column and uh, total number draws 204 in his entire career. So, um, and then some other things too. At one point, he was the highest paid man, which um, Johnny will get into a little bit more. Uh, at one point, he was making 400 grand a year, which is about the equivalent of $2 million, um, $2 million per year currently. And let's see, there's some other stuff, I think. Maybe not. Uh, you wore a size 22 shoe. <laughs> yes. Wore a size 22 shoe. His wrist size was the equivalent to that of a gorilla. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I wear a size 15 and I have issues finding shoes when I need shoes. <laughs> I couldn't imagine 22. <laughs> and I also have one more, one more little fun stat. I don't know if it's going to be in the did you knows, but, um, Andre the giant once let out a 16 second fart on the set of The Princess Bride, to which the director goes, Andrew, are you okay? And he goes, well, now I am. Um, <laughs> so there's there's stats in there. But, uh, uh, yeah. oh, uh, just almost as legendary as his drinking stories, there are Andre farting stories. That is yes, true. That I'm sure they were. Oh, That's how you know he's a man's man, right? Because any guy worth the salt will laugh at a good fart. And oh. uh, Andre was definitely one of those guys. For sure. Look, I just came across this one. My apologies. Um, Tim White, who was a close, very close friend and actually drove Andre around during the late years. Um, they went to a restaurant 
once and he ate 12 steaks and 15 lobsters in one sitting. Wow. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find anything else uh, before we move on. I mentioned the $40,000 bar tab. Uh, let's see. I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, as far as stats go, we're going to turn it over to Johnny's. Did you know? It was like a bond of friendship. You're wrong, Ian. Did you ever once, once in your life, offer him a championship match? You left behind his back. No, Andre, listen, it's not happening. Tell me it's not so, man. Even though you came out here with him, you don't have to leave with him. It's not happening. Thank you, Ansel, my shoulders. He's got one more thing to say to you, Hogan. Look at me when I'm talking to you. I'm there for one reason. To challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. Andre, please, no, it's not happening. We're friends. We're friends, Andre, please. You can't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. Andre. John is a did you know for pranks, did you know? That just for funsies, just to play pranks on his friends when he was younger, Andre would literally move their cars like physically. <laughs> he would turn them around the other direction and stuff. So when uh, they came to see their cars, like I, I didn't park that way. That's pretty funny to me. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about how large his was. His fingers were so large. Uh, First of all, there's a very famous interview with Mean Gene Okerlund where he could get three of his fingers in one of his rings, one of yeah. Andre's rings. Uh, but also, they were so large that he couldn't physically use uh, a rotary phone because you got to put your finger in there and turn around. I mean, yeah. kids today don't know any of this stuff, but uh, but he couldn't use those. Uh, he couldn't even play the piano because one of his fingers would hit. If he just put his finger down, it hit three piano keys at once. That's just, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, he. Later on, especially when he was living on his farm in North Carolina, he became a big fan of QVC because you got to remember this is before internet was huge. So this is before internet shopping. Uh, he could shop without having to leave and go anywhere. Uh, That's amazing. His, so he loved it. He apparently he was a big fan of porcelain butterflies, which I never even what knew a was gentle a thing. giant. Yeah, I could imagine yeah. that being a thing. I could imagine that being a thing. That's pretty cool. Uh, Matt kind of touched on this, but. Uh, one of the well-known drinking stories about Andre is that, and I think this was during the Princess Bride era, uh, he had drunk so, enough, drunk so much that he did actually pass out in the hotel lobby. But he's such a large man that they couldn't move him. They couldn't physically move him to his room. So what do you do? You put a velvet rope around <laughs> where he's sleeping so people wouldn't disturb him. So it's yes. like he's on display. Yeah, they just left him on the floor. <laughs> I think. Do I remember? I think I might have read something about them trying to move him with a forklift at some point. I I maybe I it, just, maybe not that exact moment, but yeah, that that I think that might have been a thing at some time. So yeah, uh, Andre really, and I can't stress this enough, really hated baby oil. Hated it, especially wrestlers who would use it to make their muscles look more muscular and stand out and and such. Baby so, oil and hot stuff, hot the, the yes. hot stuff. Yeah, it smells like Ben Gay. Yep, he hated this stuff. Uh, one wrestler who was very famous, but Andre hated because he bathed himself in this stuff. Apparently, was Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, they, a lot of oh, wrestlers yeah. would he tell you hated Joseph, Macho Man. Yes, they did. He hated him. So a lot of wrestlers were like, just feel bad for Randy if he knew he had to go up against Andre because he's going to get the freaking crap bucket. Yeah. Andre hated him. I don't think Andre liked, liked Ultimate Warrior either. Well, I mean, I don't like to disparage the day, but apparently a lot of people didn't like wrestling yeah. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, he hated Big John Stud. Uh, there's a couple wrestlers that he famously did not like. And yeah. But here's the here's the thing though, if he loved you, uh, like he would sell for you and everything and make you look like a star. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but just don't just you know 
didn't use, uh, if you didn't use baby oil, they'd probably help you out there. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to end on this. Uh, Andre actually did make the Guinness Book of World Records, but Matt already kind of knows this. I was going to play a little game with this, but it's not for anything you would think. It was not for being the biggest man or any of that kind of stuff. It was because in 74, he was the highest paid wrestler in the world. Uh, I think you said it's like two million. Uh, it's what it would be today, something like in that. Today's money, roughly two million, but yeah, 400 k, and that was mind-boggling back yeah. in the day. But here's the thing: you also got to realize a big chunk of that went to just uh, expenses to take care of him. Yeah, because he had, you know, he had to have special ways of getting around, uh, you know, special stuff he would need and that kind of thing, just because of his sheer size. So a lot of that actually just went to that and. I don't know how much money he actually just got the bank. I mean, he was doing all right for himself. Let's. I'm not saying he wasn't, but uh, yeah. you got to realize a lot of that just went to just taking, just for helping him get around. Yeah, I mean, look at listen to these bar tabs that he's leaving and these restaurant tabs, right? Like, yeah. dude's got to eat. Yes. He's got to eat, and yeah. he's eating a lot. Like, I can't, I can't even, I can't, I can barely afford one lobster. This man ate 15. Yeah, or 12 yeah. or 15, whatever I said. So, yeah. But that is Johnny's. Did you know? Let's get into. Where does Andre stand in pop culture today? Wow, he could be making a mistake of a lot. Oh, he slapped the Johnny. Mistake, I think he actually slapped Andre the Giant. Slapped him right in the face. That could be the biggest mistake of his life. Look at the fans. He's panicking now. Oh. Andre just paint brushed him. Wow, Roadhouse right. I guess you could say that Andre. Matt, I think he's at that part of where he is legend, right? Especially now since he's been gone a while. Uh, you still hear Andrew. Uh, Andrew, Yeah, you still hear Andrew stories. You still hear Andre stories. <laughs> and uh, I think he's always going to kind of be there. I think it really, really helps that he did The Princess Bride. That really, uh, you know, that movie has a, such a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. And that movie's never going to go anywhere, I don't feel. No. So, I mean, they're even talking about, I mean, don't do it, but they're talking about remaking it, all oh, type no. of thing. Yeah, but don't do it. Uh, so, uh, you know, and wrestlers still love telling Andre stories. Uh, he's always just going to be around, I think. Yeah, he was such a big, I, he's kind of an icon now, really. You know, I got, I have two Funko Pops of his. <laughs> I had to get the the normal sized one and the one where he was, uh, where they did like the larger, the larger ones. Yeah. So I had to do that. So he is. Legit, the only larger size one I got because I thought it made sense. Yeah. Did they do uh, like those giant ones, like those 12 inch ones with him? Um, I wish I could tell you what size this one is. I can't tell by looking at it. Like you've seen those giant ones that are yeah. like, like those. I've seen like giant, like Pikachus and EVs and stuff for Pokemon. I feel like they need one for Andre. Oh, for they, sure. It would make sense, right? It just makes yeah. sense. Uh, so, uh, and he's still, you know, he still has merchandise. That type of thing that people will buy. I mean, he's kind of become uh, retro in that people like sporting him again because he was legit retro. Yeah, was I forgot. Bygone era. I forgot where I was, but somebody actually made like a clothing line with his name and face on it. Yeah. Uh, I might have been shopping for my brother-in-law at a skateboard shop, and there was an Andre the Giant like clothing line with his face. I'm like, what? The, what? Like, what's this doing in a skateboard place? But it was that that's like, he's actually like reemerged a little bit over the last couple of years. Um, as far as the, you know, his, his merchandise goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I kind of think he's always going to kind of be around. I don't know if he's ever going to be as uh, big as some other names just because of the era he was in. Uh, I don't think he will be because he's kind of the precursor to the Hulk Hogan's and to, uh, you know, the Stone Colds, the ones who got that huge. He's kind of there. He was he was right before that, right before Internet, you know, right before uh, cable TV, and that type of stuff. So uh, I think that's his only detriment is that. I yeah. do think he'll always be known, especially to wrestling nerds, uh, but also to uh, but to pop culture nerds, too. That's uh, 
that's just the name. I, I will always, always love Andre. Uh, and I think the older I got, the more, and the more I realized just uh, the fact that he was entertaining us despite always being in pain. I mean, that's, man, you know, that's just so tough to recognize. And that's just something that really stands out to me. But uh, yeah. I, I love Andre, and I hope, I hope, like for decades from now, that he, people still remember who he was. No, I do too. Uh, you know, you brought up a lot of great stuff. He just his important impact, not only on the world of pro wrestling, but just entertainment, showmanship, um, all that stuff. But I think he's a he's a person that I think a lot of us should aspire to be, right? I mean, now no, we can't all be seven foot two and five hundred, six hundred pounds, whatever it may be, but. You know, Andre was business when it came to business, but he was actually like a good human being. He didn't let the wrestling industry like get into his like head and change who he was. You know, some people get a little bit of success and it goes right to their head and they change how they treat people. And Andre was never that guy. Andre was never that guy. He was a, he was viewed as, as like a locker room leader. He disciplined people. He protected the industry of wrestling. But outside of it, he was very caring and loving and and, and all this stuff. And. Um, you know, he did a, he did, he was a good job of being able to differentiate the two, but as far as legacy of pop culture goes, there's no, there's no denying he's, he's constantly referenced. Nobody's ever really said a bad thing about him. A lot of wrestlers, you know, nowadays, you know, with, with cancel culture being, being as prevalent as it is, you know, you, you retroactively hear stuff, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Um, fabulous moolah and, and some of these characters that have been like kind of, I'm not going to say erased, but not looked back fondly upon no, yeah, their, their legacies have a tarnish tainted, on them. tainted. Yeah. Nobody has anything bad to say about, I've never heard one person say anything bad. Even the people who Andre disliked never had anything bad to say about yeah. Andre the giant. And I think that speaks volumes to his character um, and, and the type of person that he was. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but that was this episode of Retro Pop, Andre the Giant. Matt, what mega legend sports star are we going to talk about next time on Retro Pop? Oh, man, I was split behind between so many, everybody. I, I had a lot. There was a couple personal favorites that I wanted to do. Um, you know, I was thinking about doing my, my favorite NFL player of all time, Philip Rivers. I was like, you know, we'll wait for that another time for that. Olympics are going on right now. I was thinking about going doing Kurt Angle, but I also didn't want to do two pro wrestlers within the same month. Um, we are going uh, a very unique route here. Okay, we talk, Me and Johnny and a couple other people have discussed about this episode happening almost a year ago. Uh, to this day, we are talking about the bad boy of bowling, Pete Weber. Who do you think you are? I am. We are talking about that guy. He made. He was the ultimate heel in a world of bowling. All right. So we're going to talk about his life, his legacy, his accomplishments. He actually just retired last year and uh, not so, not as hostile as he used to be, but um, I'm looking forward to dive deep and, and, and learn about this, uh, this guy who became a icon in a sport where, you know, I don't think I have to say anything about, I don't think I have to say much more about that, but, but that's who we'll be covering next week. Yeah. So or next time. Uh, so next time uh, you will not be spared. Uh, we are, we're going to strike you down and talk about <laughs> the bad boy of bowling. That's right. That exists. That's a thing. And we're going to discuss it next time on Retro Pop. Uh, for Matt Johnson, I'm Johnny Townsend. And tune in next time. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Uh, and remember, um, uh, I was going to say something really good here. Matt, save me. I'm drowning. Um, I, I mean, I, I can just repeat something I said. <laughs> uh, who do you think? For the you bad are? boys of podcasting? Who, yeah, the bad boys of, who do you think you are? I am. I, I just said it twice, so it's not as effective. But let's get that. Let's get out of here. Go enjoy the rest of your weeks, everybody. Take care. Yeah. yeah don't, don't expect us to always end this show well. You know what? That's just too much. I can't handle it. <laughs> get off my back. <laughs>
grocery shopping day. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Cashier. Hello, Mrs. Card Pusher. Hello. How are you doing today? Let's see what the old wife put on the uh, the shopping list today. Let's see what. Um, let's see. Number one, we got a uh, Chris Hamsworth. Oh, that doesn't seem right. I don't. I don't think those they sell those here. Uh, must be some kind of mistake. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Chris Evans. Oh boy. This is her celebrity crush list. Awkward. Don't be like this, husband and wife. There's only one place where a list like that belongs, and that's the Eat Sleep List podcast. You can hear us every Friday on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.